welcome to episode 253 of the sleeper in the bus it's a unique monday edition because it was supposed to be the sunday edition and now it's going to be the tuesday edition because i'm paul spore joined by eno sayers and if you're confused i understand eno might be too you see I got- it's only going to get more confusing because i do believe the sunday edition is going to happen after the Tuesday edition, which is going to happen on Monday. Correct. That's 100% correct. I think I think you did follow it. See, I got stuck on a boat yesterday, and Jason had a hard stop. Um, first off, the, the only way going on a boat can be ruined is by going too long. You know, even <laughs> if you only went out for like an hour, maybe you'd be bummed and like, man, I wish we'd have stayed. But that was an hour. That was a lot of fun. When you stay eight hours on a boat, that's too long. <laughs> and and I, I got stuck on the boat. You know, I, there's a whole group out there. I, I can't be like, just take me back in. Uh, so I was pretty much stuck out there. Jason had a hard stop at a certain time, which I totally thought I would have been home in time for. I mean, we left at noon, and Jason had to be done by 8 my time. No way I didn't think I would make it home. But I didn't, and so he and I were going to record tonight. And then you text me uh, either last night or early this morning and say, hey, we got to go on Monday night because movers are coming. So, yeah, that's how it ended up that the Tuesday edition is now the Monday edition replacing the Sunday edition. And the Sunday edition is now the Tuesday edition also being recorded late Monday night. But let's just dive into it, you know, because I feel like I yeah, right. can follow that very easy schedule. we got some news to cover. It's been a while since you and I have chatted. We're going to cover some of the big news. And then I just want to talk about some players. Uh, it's something Jason and I do every once in a while. We just say, let's talk about these guys because – they're doing really well. It, some of them have track records that totally back it up, and I just want to get an idea of how you're changing on them. And several of them don't. They just don't have the track record. This is pretty new, and I, I also want to know how that's influencing you. But let's start with that news. Adrian Beltre has reported that the thumb is still an issue for him. And you know, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back here because this one was not a hard call, though. I mean, it, I did not think that when he came back, it was going to be good to go. Uh, you know, I think that the tweet I saw had a reporter asking him, you know, should you be playing? And Beltre's answer was, "That's a good question." So. That's not encouraging at all for Beltre. He's obviously having a down year. The big thing that you worry about with something like a thumb is, of course, the power. What are you thinking about this news now that we hear uh, that it is, in fact, still a bad issue for Adrian Beltre's thumb, you know? Yeah, I mean, at least he's hit one homer <laughs> since he came back. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I saw him a little while ago, and um, he... he you know, he definitely didn't look right, and it was right before they activated him. I was really surprised that they did. Um, so he he was actually sort of during a, a kind of impromptu press conference picking at um, the the uh, stitches in his, in his thumb and kind of frowning at them. And, uh, you know, what the numbers are, I mean, you know, since he's been back, it, it's not an arbitrary endpoint. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an actual thing that happened. He was injured and he came back. And since then, he's hit 250 with a 273 on base percentage and one homer, 345 slugging. That, that's where it uh, is. 40, uh, 36% worse than league average. So that's, um, that's not good. And uh, it hasn't really, like, you know, shown real signs of turning around, except for, I guess, the homer did come uh, right before the break, and he's had a couple, you know, two, three hit uh, games, but it's not, you know, what we expect out of him. No, and definitely um, not. The strikeouts rate is a little bit higher at 15%, um, and the walk rate is just tiny. Um, so it's, uh, I think, you know, sometimes these guys come back and they, they, they press a little. I mean, even veterans. I mean, a 3.8% walk rate is, is even for him, is 
uh, would be the worst of his career. So yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, yeah, yeah. What do you do though? I mean, you, I think you kind of hope that he goes on the DL so that you can keep him on your team. Exactly. And go. Do you? What, what kind of a league would you drop him in? A 10-team league, I think I could because third base is so deep. There could be somebody out there. I mean, I'm hearing stories uh, as recently as the All-Star break, people tweeting me that uh, Justin Turner is still available in their leagues. And, That's exactly how I, I you know, it, Honestly, I think yes, in a, in a redraft league and, and maybe even a, probably even a keeper league because it's not like he's got major keeper value. Um, but I, I don't write Adrian Beltre's career off, but I, I kind of write off the rest of 2015 in terms of power. He might slug a few more homers. Um, but yeah, I, I was, I ranked him 11th in the recent third base rankings was actually matched the composite ranking, but Zach was way down on him. And then Jeff and Dan were a little bit higher at seven and eight respectively. Uh, so, you know, it's actually pretty, that's a pretty good argument for saying he is pretty borderline in those 10 teamers i mean even seven or eight as an upside to lose seven or eight if you're reaching for i mean i, I doubt michael franco's there anymore but yeah uh, but that's another name it could you be for, you're reaching for pablo sandoval you're you're losing the seven or eight ranking upside uh to get you know a you know a 12 to 10 now maybe mm-hmm. and uh and uh, you know turner the same deal uh if we get good news on rendon anytime soon um yeah. that would be a great thing to, i think you know that would be a great just one for one pickup but i always i always say if you can keep him on your roster do uh see if you have like a fifth outfielder or just another piece a, a starter or anything like that um uh, you know a saves prospecting guy try to drop that guy for a third base and keep adrian belcher around if Belcher then goes to the DL, then you get that space back, and you know it's I, I, a way to work around it. I always try to keep stars like that on my roster as long as possible. Yes, make it your last resort to where, oh my God, I I, I can't turn down Justin Turner. We've set, let him linger way too long. I've got to do it. But I agree with you. Make the other uh, ideas happen first if you can. But if not, then uh, then I, I get it with Adrian Beltre. Unfortunately, here's an interesting guy who's I'm seeing pop up all over too on Twitter being talked about. Folks are getting excited about him again. It's Tony Singrani who's operated as a reliever exclusively this year, just for 23 and a third innings. Big strikeout rate, 25%, but massive walk rate, 17%. Uh, So, you know, it adds up to some decent work, nothing special, really. Um, He's actually going to get a chance to start on Wednesday. I'm not, I'm not super keen on, on Singrani, you know, the, the one pitch guy, um, he has had some success starting, but it's been a while since we've seen – I mean, that's now two years ago that he had that great 2013. Had some flashes last year, but was mostly bad. And then this year, like I said, hasn't even been starting. This doesn't really get me going, but again, it's been a topic that I've been seeing pop up a lot. So I feel like folks would want our uh, opinions of twenty uh, Singrani. What do you think of him as a starter? Is he somebody you're picking up? And how deep does Lee have to be if you are? Yeah, I mean, I – he, he got a little bit of a velocity boost, of course, and you know some of this uh, can be attributable, and it's almost impossible to know exactly how much. But some of it can be attributable to the fact that he's throwing the changeup less, and that's his worst pitch. So, you know, slider is around average every year, and the fastball is good, and uh, has a 11. It, it's almost twice the whiffs of a regular fastball. So oh, it's, it's a, it's it's a, a really great good pitch. It's not just velocity either. I mean, it's a 93, but it's got good extension. It's good rise. He's the kind of guy who could easily be a Sean Doolittle. That's um, a good I think. one. And I think he should actually probably be a Sean Doolittle because 
if the less often you throw that change up, the fewer walks uh, should have happened. It didn't quite happen for him, but um, you know, and you're just not showing a pitch that you need to show as much. I mean, th- there has been some uh, movement change on the um, on the sinker on the uh, on the change this year. I mean, it drops more, but it's just hard to to trust when the guy has. Uh, I don't know how many has he thrown this year. Uh, raw pitch counts. He's thrown nine changeups this year. So, yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be looking too much. I wouldn't be dreaming too much on a changeup. I mean, even he had told me himself that uh, his changeup's not very good. So, you know, I, I. What would I? How would I pick him up? I'd pick him up for twenty. Yes, fifteen. Yes, because he's still got the strikeouts. Twelve. I don't think so, man. Twelve's no you know, for I, me. I have a lot of. I have a lot of teams that need pitching. And, you know, I'm writing a little bit about when to punt categories and um, when to sell in Dynasty Leagues next uh, for tomorrow. And in that league, I spent 20% on pitching and need pitching. I could drop, like, Trevor Bauer for him. And what's the point there, you know? I don't think so. I think there are going to be some Trevor Bauer at home against Oakland-type matchups where I'd be much more safe about using him. No, I, I completely agree. Because the one thing that you're hearing with Sangrani too, is he's going to get this start here, and then the Reds could move Cueto and or Leak and, and then open up a more permanent role for him in the rotation. But again, I'm, I'm right there with you where that, doesn't, that just doesn't do much for me. I, I'm just not that excited about him right now. Now, if they traded Chapman and move Sangrani into that role, into the closers role, I get a lot more interested all of a sudden, even with the gaudy walk rate, because that's something that can be worked on and, you know, Give me those strikeouts as a, as a closer for sure. So, but for me with Sangrani right now, twenty team like you said, okay, sure. And then fifteen if I can stretch, but I'm not going to cut some other guy that I like, like you're saying, like CC. a Bauer. CC, your boy CC. By the way, I thought of you yesterday watching him pitch pretty well, uh, or got, watching the highlights. I still got him on that tout team, man. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, uh, yeah, I was watching the highlights and I'm like. Oh, nice one for Eno there. That was a pretty good one. Uh, a couple in a row too. So um, I'd, I'd, I'll actually stick with CC there. I, I would or get CC uh, if if I had Singrani in that situation, even with a 5.25 ERA for 100 innings, uh, or 106 as it were. For, for the weird Shibate. thing is that Singrani might have had more value to the guys in the SPRP leagues than he that- will. That's exactly where, where there will be some extra values. If you are in one of those head-to-head, I think it was usually head-to-head leagues where they have to determine you can use X amount of SPs and X amount of RPs. A starter yeah. who is relieving, even if he's not great, I mean, you can you can get a Singrani putting up a 420 ERA, but you're getting those points out of re- a relief spot. That could be yeah. huge. So that would change. At a 12-team uh, head-to-head where the RP comes into play, then I have a tougher decision even with that Bauer case that you brought up. Uh, we're trying too hard, man, I think. Yeah. I think we we want to see him uh, even if he dominates the game he's done that before I yep, think I got to uh, see I got to see extended and, and and that means I might miss out because you know sometimes if if you wait more than one start uh, in today's game you might miss out it's a risk I'm willing to take with him yeah I wouldn't be willing to take any sort of risks with this next guy I w- I would want him on my team no matter uh, Steven Strasburg I'm I'm, an, I'm a Strasburg acolyte he's nearing some mound work uh, within the next few days as he's trying to return from the the oblique. Super bummed about Strasburg's injury because I had just acquired him in what I thought was a great deal. Strasburg and Betts for Scherzer. And it's it's obviously been a major flop. But he was pitching very well before then. 
Uh, he had, you know, two great starts and then was in the midst of a very strong one against the Giants on the 4th of July when uh, when he left, uh, when Strasburg left with that oblique injury. Let's assume he's back uh, relatively soon, and, and, and by that I'll say by, by the trade deadline, so within the next uh, 11 days here. How are you valuing Strasburg for the rest of the season, you know? He's obviously really talented, and the injury piece is just really hard to deal with because he's shown us that he's one of the best pitchers in the game when he's healthy. And it seems like maybe he's just, it's not great for him when things are a little bit off. And I, you know, the, 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 the word that people use is soft and, you know, with us not being a, a trainer of his, with him having had a surgery already with the fact that he's always been like a big velocity guy, you know, I would think that it's more likely that if something's a little bit off, it, it's important to him to get it right, you know? And, you know, like for instance, when you have like the Steven Matz lat injury, Steven Matz says, I want to go out there and play. And Steven Matz is like most pitchers or, or most players in that you can barely drag him off the field. Yeah. And, that's the kind of gamer mentality that most players would say is great. On the other hand, if you let Steven Matz pitch through a, a torn lat or, or, or a strained lat, strains a tear, but so you let him to pitch through that, he's going to compensate for that in some way, right? He's mm-hmm. going to something Has else. To. Yeah, because it e- even if like, not on purpose, the the body compensates. Yeah, like my my ankle is, you know, I tore my ankle up and. You know, now my left knee is my right, my right ankle. Now my left knee is, you know, kind of like, you know, barking at me a little bit. I'm like, I know why. Uh, so I, I don't like calling players soft. I don't do Would I use it in my analysis. Like, would I say, OK, you know, Strasburg is, is too finicky to touch and he's not going to come back right. And I don't know. I don't think so. Because what if it, it was a little thing that he went and got right and he kind of comes back and he's fine. So. In terms of strikeouts minus walks, the stuff is still there, even though the swing strike rate is down. You know, he, he's still throwing hard. Uh, you know, I still want him. Yeah, me too. I, I'm, I mean, the talent is, is, is just so good, and I, I find the perception of him in the market to be such that uh, he almost comes at a, a relative value compared to those with, his, with the same type of talent as, as Steven Strasburg. So... Yeah, I'm I'm still kind of chasing him. I have been a couple leagues, obviously going to hold those. I I would still be willing to buy. You mentioned the injury piece; it's huge. It, it's it's worrisome. It, it's kind of part of the game with pitching, and uh, I, I'm I'm with you. Unfortunately, I have some teams that need some pitching, and so if I got a chance to buy somebody who could be that ace level at something less than an ace level cost, sign me up. Let's talk about your Mets real quick here. They're unlikely to promote Michael Conforto. Does that bother you? Or are you fine with that as a Mets fan? It bothers me, man. I, I think that uh, it's mostly some sort of weird, random number they're looking for. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they're looking for, man. Yeah, what's I, he got to do? And, and how bad does their offense have to struggle for that to be an obvious thing to at least give a shot to? Doesn't that, You don't have to ride him out there for 50 games if he's hitting 112. But I don't know. See if he can spark it. 
Uh, he's 22. He's a college kid. You know, even though he's quote unquote only in double A, first off, tons of guys make the jump from there. But even if that was something they're worried about, he's a bit of an older guy. I feel like Conforto, you know, has a chance to handle it and jumpstart that offense. He's not a huge master. He doesn't do any one thing exceedingly well. But if he could come up and just be a solid hitter, I mean, even if he came up, if Conforto came up and put up a 750 LPS, that'd be a pretty big boon for that club. But uh, let alone the fact that if he just caught fire and and, and started tearing up the league. That would just be so big for that anemic offense because when you get to the point where they're at, it, it's what you're replacing uh, that, that becomes the big story. A guy doesn't have to come in and be a superstar. That's why I feel like they can go out and acquire a few smaller bats and make big changes because they're replacing such subpar uh, play. <laughs> yeah, they probably could get some platoon guys here or there. They could turn – uh, even a healthy Kadire into a platoon out uh, to platoon first baseman with Duda, and uh, they could they could get a, a small upgrade at shortstop and be a big deal. So mm-hmm. I do think um, there are ways to tinker around this, but Conforto is just the obvious answer. I mean, even with 180 plate appearances in Double A, you can kind of believe that strikeout rate, which is you know better than league average. You, you're right to bring up the fact that he's college and older. It it just means that he maybe doesn't have much more upside than beyond what he's showing so it's all the more reason to bring him up don't hold on to him hoping that he can you know get the strikeout rate down to 16 percent and iso 300 i mean what are you waiting for it's like yeah and it's also really frustrating as a mets fan to to look and say and look it over at the twins and say why don't you at least give it a shot like the twins Mm -hmm. my god the twins called up buxton and sano and oh my god they're hanging around i mean they're hanging around as a tiger fan Wins in the bank, and oh man, that, that's a and, thing you know, too. If, they're in just as good a position. If Conforto came up, you know, the steamer projections aren't nice, but they came out before the season, and since then he's you know redone uh, what he did last year, plus more power, um, you know, plus more patience uh, at a higher level, and uh, moved pretty quickly. So and we saw the hose uh, in the futures game too. Yeah, so like a new a new a new projection would be better than the one that Steamer gave him before. Um and uh I'd have to think just sort of spitballing that and you know that the projections are never gonna be uh super excited about anybody. Uh, I would guess they'd give him probably a twenty two percent strikeout rate, you know, like a seven percent walk rate. Things are close to league average. Um, maybe 310 LBP, 260 uh, batting average, and you know, like league average power, 130, 140 ISO. So um, that's not uh, necessarily something that you would have to jump for in like a 10 or 10 or 12 teamer. But no, uh, the Mets could use that, and that's there's the always the potential for more. I mean, there's he's not too far from Schwarber in terms of you know hitting the ground running, college guy. Um, hard to really find a, a real flaw in there. Schwarber's numbers are, you know, across the board a little bit better, but um, you know, they, they they're the, the Cubs did it with Schwarber. You know, the Cubs did it with Schwarber, and they had more to worry about. Schwarber's a catcher. Yeah, and they, and the, yeah, because they can't even really play him. Uh, all the time. I mean, they're not going to. That's by choice. Uh, I guess they could because it's not like Taylor Teagard and David Ross are huge roadblocks. But yeah, with the catcher situation there, that is something that they had to consider. And you're right. I mean, the numbers, they're not equal. Uh, but the, but for as, as gaga as everyone was going over Schwarber, Conforto's getting a relative no attention uh, when, when you compare the two. So 
I and, think they. And a lot of the I think service they time issues are out the window, man. It's just it's it's. it's I've always wanted, I've wanted to defend Sandy because he's like an original moneyballer guy. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, the Dickey trade was was brilliant. Um, you know, he's he said the right things. He's done a lot of the right things in terms of working hard on the minor league system, uh, and also you know trying to. I like the idea of trying to sign mid level. Uh, guys, instead of spending 220 million on Chu, uh, you know, spend a little bit less on a Granderson type. You know, I think that even the Granderson deal has uh, turned out to be a little bit better than some people thought, with a little bit of a bounce back from Granderson. Um, the Kadir deal is pretty terrible, but at least these aren't the kind of deals that hamstring. I think the right deal is the kind of deal that hamstrings um, a team, but I think that probably came from ownership. So anyway, I'm, I'm getting too deep into the Mets, but I think. Uh, it's a very frustrating moment uh, to be a Mets fan right now. I, I, I hope they change course on that one. Uh, one of my best buddies, basically the New York version of me, right down to his name being Paul, uh, huge Mets fan, so I'm, I'm pretty in tune with them. And the frustration he expresses with uh, with that club, it just gets it, it's got to get annoying. I can't even imagine, especially <laughs> in, in the position where you can see it. I mean, you can see how this team could catch fire and, and make some noise with, with a couple, you know, a, a jump start from a Conforto or a decent bat picked up elsewhere. We'll, we'll see. They still have some time, uh, 11 days to make a move in the market. Uh, who knows? Let's talk about uh, Jordy Mercer going down for six weeks after a pretty ugly collision with Carlos Gomez uh, trying to break up a double play. I'm not so concerned about Mercer. This obviously just kind of further solidifies uh, – Jung Ho, Kong, Jung Ho Gong's playing time, and obviously we've talked about him in the past. I'm curious. First off, does, does it change anything for you on Gong? But more importantly, do you have any love for like a Sean Rodriguez, who's kind of terrible, or do you think that this might send Pittsburgh out into the market now, since uh, you know they kind of had some depth there, but now Josh Harrison and Jordy Mercer out. That's two of their defensive stalwarts, and they rely heavily on defense. So I wonder if this puts puts Pittsburgh in the market. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, no, not really, because I just don't think they'd buy very hard, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I don't know what they'd buy, I guess, is the real question. Yeah, I just don't think they buy very hard in general. I mean, just looking at their past deals, it's been, um, you know, like waiver acquisitions, guys that people are going to lose, uh, other teams are going to waive, or DFA, or, Marlon you know, Bird. they, yeah, well, I doubt that, uh, it would go that far. No, no, no. Uh, I was saying Marlon Bird type of act that when they acquired Marlon Bird. That oh, right, right. Yeah, that was, was the biggest they. That was really the biggest they've gone. And I it was, say. and it wasn't, and it wasn't all that big. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that was kind of my point. Was I mean, they sent a reliever and uh, and Dilson Herrera. Well, it ended up being it's kind of, kind of a substantial deal for for both sides. Wasn't Vic Black the guy? Yeah. So you know, it, I think that Black and Herrera are doing a little bit better. Like they're in the the 75th sort of range of their projections. So, um, you know, at the time it was a little bit more like here, here's a reliever who throws hard and, uh, um, you know, a bad defense maybe has some pop middle infielder probably won't work out for you. So, you know, I think that, uh, it was a, it was a small deal that it's working out. Okay. For the Mets, uh, still hasn't like, worked out, worked out, you know, Herrera's only looked a little bit good. And, um, Bird killed it for the Pirates, so they got 30 games right. of a, a 137 OPS plus, and he was great in the playoffs as well. So, you know, they got what they wanted out of that. Like you said, 
just so happens that the guys that they dealt are, are closer to panning out than maybe anybody would have thought. We'll see if they if that uh, remains the case. So, okay, I'll be interested to see if Pittsburgh thinks because you know they're better now, they keep slowly getting better, that maybe that opens them up to buy more. Or maybe somebody like an Alan Hansen, a former uh, you know, prospect. He had, he had more prospect steam years ago. Do uh, you have any thoughts on him as a potential who could come up? I know he's played some shortstop in the past. I think he's been playing a lot of second base this year. But the fact is he's, he's a middle infield type. Uh, a, any outlook there for, for him? He's knocking on the door in AAA as a 22-year-old right now. Yeah, I think that's a decent one. It's not going to help their defense. I mean, I think even uh, at, at second, that hasn't been great. But uh, it does give you another body on the infield and gives you some depth there. Um, I doubt that Walker wants to play third. I don't know if he has the arm for it. But, you know, maybe they, they try Hanson out a third a little bit in the minor leagues. That would be an interesting development. I mean, we we're talking about Steven Piscotti coming up. And um, one of the things we said on the show was, you know, listen for Piscotty uh, taking reps at first, and boom, that happened, and now he's up. So I think uh, I would watch to see if Alan Hansen uh, played a couple games at third. That would be meaningful because um, he could come up and play third next to um, – uh, if, if there was a shortstop arm in there, I'm not, I don't remember if the arm – I think it was more the range that was a little bit of a problem for Hansen. But, um, I think so too, actually. I think that would uh, make him a decent fit for third. So – you know, that would be interesting. I think he could do something. I, I'm, I'm kind of like just watching um, uh, Gong the most and just wondering like how much, you know, how excited can we get to uh, for him and, and to, you know, tell people uh, to be about him because... Playing time's you know, there now. We've talked about him and, we yeah, we've talked about how the playing time is finally there. Um, you know, I guess you know Hanson. You know, has some has some speed. So if he came up, if you were looking for stolen bases, that would be, I guess, why you picked him up. But uh, Gong, you know, has shown the the possibility of having power and speed. It's just, and I don't think you can be too upset about what he's done so far. And I think I would take, uh, I, I I would take his strikeout rate, his current strikeout rate going forward, a little bit more over um, the projected strikeout rates. But the power, I think you you got to stare at that ground ball rate and. Uh, you know, 55% ground ball rate. You know, even if you have a decent home run for fly ball rate, he's a little bit above league average. Um, you just, it's going to hurt your uh, your power at some point. Yeah, you just don't have enough and, volume to, 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 not, to do a lot. It's not going anywhere. You know, the uh, you know, March 57, May 57, June 50, July 54. So, uh, you know, he, he's just... Uh, Hitting the ball on the ground. The nice thing about that is that he has a really small pop-up rate. So, um, and the the line drive rate overall and the hard hard hit percentage overall are pretty good. So, the the sort of angle that he has to the ball is going to be decent for that BABIP. You know, I think you can believe both his current BABIP and and the projected BABIPs are a little bit lower. You can believe him to be a, a good BABIP guy. Yeah, um, I like him. Um, a lot. I, I was projecting him pretty highly just with the Josh Harrison injury. That Now the fact that he's, you know, got another spot open for playing time, that, that only makes me like him more. So, you know, shortstop, it's easy to be somewhat decent. And, uh, you know, he's, he's actually pretty good. So that helps. Um, we, we've been talking some trade stuff here and there. Obviously, rumor season is, is still just kind of ramping up. Or maybe it won't. You know, sometimes trade deadlines are kind of a dud. But I I'm sure that it'll start to really ramp up here in the next couple of days. We're starting to see some rumors leak out. Saw one today about uh, the, the Blue Jays being interested in Mike Fires. Now, it seems anytime any pitcher's available right now, they're kind of tied to him. 
I don't get necessarily the Papelbon and Chapman stuff. Not that they, not that they, that wouldn't help, but uh, I think they need a starter much, much more in Toronto. Um, what do you think of Mike Fires as a Blue Jay? You know, I wonder if they they like something about the parks. I mean, because they went and got Estrada too. Yeah. And you know, both Fires and Estrada, you would say, why do you want that guy, Homer's at, at your park? Uh, yeah. yeah. From one home but maybe they to think, another. Maybe they think um, the park adjustment there is similar. It could be, you know. It, well, it, 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 those two parks play very similarly. My only issue was, like, when Estrada moved, I said, yeah, his home park might be fine, but then he's going to go to the other parks that are pretty tough in that division. Uh, and obviously the AL East hasn't necessarily been that beastly division where you're terrified. But they score runs, man. They score runs. If you look at the – at the divisions, they score runs. That division definitely scores runs. So you you, you got to be careful. Your only easy trip in that division is Tampa Bay usually, um, and and they always find a way to score runs too. It seems you know they're they're hanging out right there at at 500. So he doesn't have to face the Blue Jays. I, I guess that would help. But no, I, I had the same thing uh, initial thought that you did. I'm like Homer guy going to to the Homer. Yeah. It was exactly like the Estrada thing. But we turn and Samarja. And Samarja. Yeah, that's true. Another guy they've been talking about is, is Jeff Samarja. You know, Estrada is kind of working out for them, though. He's kind of gone back to the good version of himself. And so maybe they're seeing, hey, we can have some success with this, and that's why they want to go after fires. Um, do you think it would improve his value or just leave it static or actually hurt it because of what we're talking about with the AL East as a division? Well, I guess there's, uh, you know, some amount of um, possibility that they – see something they can fix or that they're, they, um, they believe he's being Homer unlucky and that they want to buy him for, uh, the times that he's Homer lucky. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's not a crazy idea. Let me see here. Um, Estrada has been with uh, Toronto all year and, yeah. uh, I wouldn't say that there's something obvious that the team, um, uh, could have suggested to him. Other than the fact that he has uh, recently started throwing a cutter. And, okay. um, you know, I have to zoom out. I was just looking at the last couple of years, uh, see if he's been throwing a cutter before. He's thrown a cutter a little bit. Uh, back in uh, 2011, he threw some cutters. Okay. Um, but Are they any good? Uh, even then, uh, he hasn't really uh, thrown as much as he's throwing them right now. The cutter. It goes 89, so it's uh, probably actually a true cut fastball and not some sort of weird baby slider. Um, and it gets 6% whiffs, but uh, it gets uh, – what's 10 divided by 18? <laughs> it, uh, it gets a decent amount of grounders, um, I would 56%. guess. 56%. There you go. Thanks. <laughs> I had to do that by calculator, folks. I can't nice. <laughs> do that kind of division in my head. My head doesn't operate like a calculator. Uh, I was going to guess 60%. But, uh, you know, that might be helping his ground ball rate stay up. Um, might be helping uh, keep some uh, balls in the park because it does have a lower homer rate um, than his change in his fastball. So his other fastball. So. I liked Fires coming into the year. I liked him to be a little bit better than he's been. Um, he hasn't been able to maintain the command and control that we saw last year, which isn't terribly surprising. It was just so good last year that I, I, you know, thought that he, he had it, you know, we've seen it two different times for a pretty big spell where fires has had just impeccable command and control. 
and been able to stay out of trouble? Well, he hasn't been able to do that this year for, for a full season. It's been on and off. Sometimes he looks a lot like that 2014-2012 version, and sometimes he looks like uh, you know a lesser version of that. I won't, I won't say the, the 2013 version because that was just – that was weird. That was 22 innings, so a small sample for sure. Not only that, but also the fact that uh, I believe he had uh, his father pass away that, that year. I think, I think there was a relative. And so his whole season was derailed at that point. I almost gave him a 2013 washout. So we'll stay tuned on that with Fires maybe moving to Toronto. Um, like I said, same with Samarja there, too. You mentioned- he's, five, he's five and seven. Uh, you know, it's one of the weirdest things about fantasy, of course, is that we – we mimic uh, real life analysis a lot, but then when it comes to win, he you know he's fives and sevens, and uh, Mike Fires is six and five. I mean, Jeff Samarja is six and five. Mike Fires is uh, five and seven. Both of those guys would be better if they got wins. Absolutely, you, know? you, can, and, you can take the whip uh, a lot easier if you're getting a lot more Ws there. Yeah, and to me, it, uh, there's in some ways it seems that Samarja is more fixable. Um, you just don't know what the White Sox are asking for. But uh, Samarja has the raw stuff that you normally look for. And he's been throwing a ton of cutters this year. And he just recently stopped throwing them um, as much. And, uh, you know, it also coincides with uh, a pretty decent run. Um, so, you know, you don't know you know, what came first. But uh, maybe they're watching that. Maybe the price is too high. But if I could put one player on on the Blue Jays, it would be uh, Cueto and. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. That that will be fascinating to see what happens with Cueto uh, if he gets traded from Cincinnati. I think that could be great. Uh, you you alluded to Stephen Piscotty earlier um, because we are hearing that he's expected to be called up. It's not official because it's not supposed to happen until tomorrow anyway. But uh, it's it's being reported that he's he's likely to be called up. You mentioned earlier. Hey, we said when Matt Adams went down, if he if he maybe starts getting some first base reps, he could be part of the solution there because they don't have a, a true solution. Um, talk to us a little bit about Piscotty. This is a uh, college guy, Stanford, who's had quality minor league numbers. You know, similar to a lot of these uh, uh, Cardinals prospects, just consistently good in the minors. Is he going to come up and just? be way better than his prospect status like, like the <laughs> other Cardinals prospects or is he just going to be okay? That's stupid. Uh, devil magic. Devil magic. It comes up and puts up an eight, 890 out of the gate for like 150 plate appearances and no one would be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So from like a statistical analysis standpoint, you would look at the fact that he's repeating triple a and you would discount almost everything that he he's done because He's 24 and in AAA for the second time, and he's a college guy. So, you know, you would therefore look, sort of look past a lot of that, I think, mm-hmm. and say he's much more likely to be the sort of 120, 130 ISO guy um, with some decent plate discipline, you know, maybe uh, 6 to 7% walks, uh, 10 to 11% strikeouts, put a lot of balls in play. Um, he never had the Babbitt magic in the minors, though. Um, you don't, Babbitt's in the minors were actually kind of low for the minors. You don't pick that up until you actually get to Bush Stadium, though. That's the thing. It doesn't transport to <laughs> to the minors. No, they they no, they tried to set it up in because it's like a fountain where they get the Babbitt luck from, <laughs> and they set one up. They thought it was going to work. They had it in Memphis. They went to go turn on the tap and it didn't work. So it, it he'll get it. He'll get it. He'll Piscotty will have a 394 Babbitt. 
for, for 200 point appearances very soon. Don't worry, folks. But another thing, another thing that's funny is that he has these stolen base totals, so it's tempting to say his speed, but um, his you efficiency. know, like four, yeah, four stolen bases against five caught stealings, 11 stolen bases against five caught stealings. This year, five stolen bases against six caught stealings. They're not going to tell him to go in the major leagues. No, just sit yeah. your butt right there, buddy, with your 61. Yeah. So, you know, I would take so Zips has him for a 266 average. Uh, eight homers and ten stolen bases in basically a full year. That's 550 plate appearances. So you're going to give him 300 of that. So that's 260 batting average, four homers, and five stolen bases. Now take out away the stolen bases. Uh, 260 batting average and four homers is what he should do. Oh, yeah. And so no need to get excited yet until we see that Piscotty has been bestowed with the double. Also, he's also a righty. Um, which uh, Mark Reynolds is a righty, so then you kind of uh, have to figure out some sort of unnatural, unholy platoon. But uh, we know <laughs> Un- they're good. At- unholy is what they do well, exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right, you know, let, let's talk about some players here. We've we got to talk about some of these guys. i got to get an idea of where you're at because we're seeing some great things out of these guys, some for extended periods, some for just short periods. Lorenzo Cain's having a true breakout season right now. I think we can comfortably call it that. It's not a it's not a hot start or anything like that. We're at 80 games. It's been fantastic. 341 plate appearances of an 891 OPS. That's 140 points higher than Cain had last year. His 10 home runs already double what he did last year in 502 plate appearances, and his 18 stolen bases are just 10 shy of what he did all of last year too. So he's he's been great 24 walks matches again what he did in 502 plate appearances Lorenzo Cain and of course the defense has been there it's been good it's been what what a lot of people did project there there were folks out there who were very much beating the drum on a Cain breakout Uh, the one thing I think tripped up some folks was the age piece because he's 29 years old but he's not a 29 year old baseball player in that he's not played a 29 year old's normal use of baseball and i don't know how much that's i don't know what sort of equation to put on that to, to give him a discount but you can't just look at it and say 29 late bloomer shouldn't pay attention to it i think that was a little bit of the trick with lorenzo kane but what are you doing with this breakout here you, how legitimate do you think it is and uh, what do you expect out of lorenzo kane the rest of the season yeah, it's it's a good point to point that i mean he he uh got cut from his basketball team and out of spite uh, went to a baseball, baseball player. coach. Yep. And, uh, uh, and they had to teach him, uh, how a glove worked. Yeah. So, he put the glove on his throwing. <laughs> no, but they, they kind of had to teach him like, um, you know, the rules of the game. Um, and, uh, that was in high school. So he, yeah, I would say the, that didn't he hold the okay bat cross handed initially? <laughs> I oh thought, maybe. I, yeah. I thought that was in the story. I could be making that up, but I thought that he initially McCullough held that. McCullough has a great, a great story on it. But yeah, um, it's a tremendous story. But uh, I would say, yeah, you could have some late bloomage there. It's really hard to know. Uh, it'd be pretty hard to prove that statistically and find that that sort of effect because you know uh, we don't really have great knowledge of when people started playing. Yeah, um, it, it's impossible. It, yeah, but, probably a case by case situation. But we do lo- we do know that baseball is 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 a mix of acquired uh, acquired skills and uh, and tools, and that you're sort of generally losing your tools as you're acquiring other skills. So, um, you know, I, I do think that uh, the fact that he is super athletic to begin with, um, I think is is in his favor. So he's going to maybe retain some of that that athleticism longer, and we we have seen some. Uh, 
uh, uh, some studies about the fact that guys with athleticism that steal bases, they may not continue to steal bases, but they actually age a little better. That's probably because they stay ahead of the defensive spectrum a little better, um, stay in center field longer, get more value there, and stay in right field and don't go to DH, that sort of deal. Um, so, but in any case, he, you know, he's got this athleticism that's working for him. And there's one th- interesting thing that doesn't show up necessarily in the numbers. If you just look at straight pull percentage, the pull percentage is up a, like a, just the tiniest of bit, um, over the last two years. But, um, if you focus instead on pulling, uh, fly balls, which is actually kind of the Holy grail, I think. And, and, you know, everybody pulls ground balls, but that, those are the easiest to defend. And, um, even though they can turn into hits, uh, pulling a fly ball is is real power. That's uh, that's when Bryce Harper breaks out. You know, yes. that's that's uh, that's being able to put it in the air and pull. That's that's the holy grail. Uh, so there are only let's see, there's only about 12 players that pull the ball more in the air. Oh wow! Uh, than Lorenzo Kane. Now uh, the names aren't all uh, stuff that would make you super excited, like. Uh, DJ LeMay, who uh, interesting. Uh, pulls more balls in the air. Um, That's very interesting. Uh, Carm- Cameron Maben, uh, David Fries, uh, Jose Iglesias is right ahead of him. But, hey. but if you combine velocity off the bat with fly ball pull ratio, the list shrinks. And all of a sudden, this is who we're talking about. Will Myers, Michael Morse, Avisel Garcia, Will Middlebrooks, Mike Trout, Marcelo Zuna. Okay. Those are guys that pull the ball in the air as much as Lorenzo Cain or more and have a 92 mile an hour average velocity on that pitch. Oh, so wow. on those on those balls. So, you know, I think it's a really interesting list because I think these are the guys for some reason why we're for some for some of them it's why we dream on these guys. The Abisel yep. Garcia, Will Myers, Marcelo type. Zuna. It's, a, it's an argument that Michael Morse hasn't quite lost his power. I mean, he's slugging 750 on these balls. Maybe the question is just, you know, getting it in the air more um, or being healthy. Uh, Abisail Garcia, I think it's a great uh, – I mean, he slashes 267. I mean, the OBP, why put that in there? He, bat, he bats 267 with 800 slugging um, when he puts the ball in the air, uh, and he, it's because he pulls it like this. So I think Abisail Garcia is still worth – Thinking about acquiring and thinking and you know thinking about long term, still got you know some something to love about him. Um, and then you have a guy like Will Middlebrooks who's just underperforming on those balls. He's hitting them hard, hitting them in the air, pulling them, hitting 151 with a 453 slugging on those balls, and you'd expect better. I mean, Will Middlebrooks, I have expected values based on that. He should be hitting, he should be slugging 100 points higher uh, based on that exit velocity. So anyway, it's a, I think that's an interesting look at. Uh, Will, uh, Kane's growth that he's uh, pulling the ball in the air more uh, the hard hit percentage is through the roof I think that's all related to that I don't nice. I you know all the projection systems say pull back on that 192 ISO but um, you know why can't he hit 18 homers this year uh, you know the difference between the projections uh, giving him five more homers and you know you know being more in line with what he's doing now and eight homers nine homers uh 
I think this will be his career year. I think this will be a great year. I also am seeing him pop up more, you know, as a, oh, Lorenzo Cain's on the block, you know? Yeah, I think people are maybe seeing if they can cash in. Well, because there's a lot of believability in the line, though, too. If I was, if I had him, I I don't blame folks. In a single year, in a single year, I would hold on to him if, if I was being competitive and stuff. But at 29, you know, with that ISO growth and his injury history, I do think it's probably, you know, it's very hard to sell a player like this, but I do think it's probably the time to sell a guy like this. And that makes sense. Um, I was actually the high guy on him in the outfield rankings that, that went up today. I got him at 11 because, again, I, I feel like there's a lot of believability here. I think you were kind of alluding, uh, alluding to it. Redraft league, stick with it. This is feels like a breakout season that you can kind of believe in. The, my biggest question with him coming into the year was something that you briefly mentioned, his injury history. It wasn't that I couldn't see a potential breakout because you know the the playoffs kind of hinted at some of this as well but that's a small sample so how much of it do you really take any uh, you know t- take into the next year things like that but uh the, the health is another reason that he was he's been a bit of a late bloomer and so that's that's where i was concerned and you know they're still concerned but the skills are there and i i'm always willing to bet on skills i want to talk about Gerardo para who Incidentally enough, uh, this might surprise you and those listening. He's actually younger than Lorenzo Cain. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if anybody would have guessed that. If you, outside of being, at, when you're asked a question like that, you're generally suspicious. So if I said, "Do you think Gerardo Parra is older or younger than Cain?" then you might have been tipped off to say younger. But uh, without a, a setup like that, I, I think I would have said that Parra is like 32. I think that's about the age. I was, he's 28. I mean, he's had 3,400 plate appearances, basically. Yeah, so he's been around for a while and playing. Well, he's back to playing great again. Remember, years ago, he had a bit of a run like this. uh, And again, had legitimacy behind it, and it was fun to kind of believe in it. And he's a great defender, so he's getting out there. And it kind of went away. And and he's been basically more of a league average or or a a couple ticks below offensively, but enough defense again that he's, he's been a plus player now. For several years, uh, this year in particular, though, the offense has come back and stormed back. It's it's his best season yet. His nine homers already match what he did last year. Uh, he's got he's done that in 311 plate appearances. Had 574 last year. Um, six stolen bases so far compared to nine last year. 313 average, 348 on base, and a 500 slug. So a, a, a big jump here for for um, you know. F- fourth outfielder mostly i think uh but do you believe in this and then do you think that para goes somewhere uh that can improve his value because i think that's kind of the thing that goes unnoticed is that miller park does really help hitters so the fact that you know he's getting it done here he's he's been good on the road too but playing in miller park definitely helps so there are a lot of places he could go where it'd be a worse park for him but what do you think of harada para you know, part of part of the part I don't believe is his overall game, uh, his usability on an everyday level. Mm-hmm. He uh, has a 64 WRC plus career against lefties, and uh, he's been platooned often. And I think generally his use and and the results uh, point to a guy that shouldn't really be starting against lefties. This year, uh, his BABIP is up 324 BABIP against a 285 career BABIP, and then also. Uh, a 191 ISO uh, this Weird. year, and his career is 070. So even if even if he's you know he's exceeding his power in all areas, he's especially exceeding it when it comes to uh, lefties. So oh, absolutely. Check this out. You know, in 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 
less than half the plate appearances, 52 compared to 112 last year. He's already got four extra bases against lefties, two homers, a triple, and a double compared to just a double and a homer last year. And those numbers, that that kind of gets to your point, though, that just a little bit of a power boost has skewed those numbers massively. So don't go looking at that 836 OPS against lefties and thinking, well, he's made some great changes. It's still just small sample size influenced. Yeah, I think somebody, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if he's a fit for the Angels because they kind of want lefty power. Uh, who knows if they, you know, buy all into this power surge or whatever. I doubt they do. Uh, so I doubt that he's a, a perfect fit for them. Um, the A's, pro- I mean, the, the Mets probably want more of a bat. Um, you know, would the Pirates really buy a guy like Para to, um, to, to supplant Polanco, who just seems very similar? Yeah, um, why not just keep letting Polanco grow because he should be able yeah. to be much better. I agree with you on, on all those because worst-case scenario, you know, if he turns back into uh, Juan Lagares, a defense-first guy that they, you know, they can't even feel like they can use, I, I doubt he would fall all the way back to Lagares' bat level, but I agree with you. If I'm the Yankee, or excuse me, the Mets, I want to get something who's a bat-first so, guy. So then there's... Uh, basically two teams, and boy, do para owners want one of them. I would say either the Orioles or the Twins could be interested. I, I, I know which one I want. I, <laughs> I want him going to Camden immediately. Yeah. Plus, they flourish with guys like this, late 20s guys. Now, he's not the journeyman type who comes out of nowhere like the Steve Pierce uh, what was it? You could have Ford. like a Daza season over but there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. A guy who is relatively established, but then somehow takes a level forward with them uh, or keeps keeps this level up. So, yeah, Baltimore, that, that could be a good one. I would like that. I agree with you. Minnesota, that one would bum me out. Minnesota, they've kind of got a trade acquisition waiting. It's not a trade. Obviously, it's a call-up. But Oswaldo Arcia it's somebody they should probably call up into their outfield. Uh, he's been crushing it in the minors. You know, small sample, of course, but – this is a guy. Yeah, I doubt they're, you know, we talked about this. I doubt they're going to spend, you know, many par is so cheap that they do it and just say, uh, well, we only had to give up. <laughs> we only had to give up a reliever, Alex Meyer. And then I go, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> that would be bad. That, 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 oh, that would be really bad. Hopefully that doesn't happen, Twins fans. <laughs> I, I'd, fe- I'd feel bad for you, even though it's in the division of my, my, my oh, the Brewers, I'd, I'd be, I'd, uh, I'd be calling him on that one, but um, do that in a yeah, second. I, you know, he may not move. You know, honestly, he just just doesn't have. Uh, maybe he's cheap, so then that's why he moves. But he may not move just because even cheap prices. You know, what do the Orioles have other than Bundy and and uh, and they're not going to you know give up Bundy or or uh, Hunter Harvey or anything. So, um, you know, who's going to really uh, try and acquire a par? He might just be one of those guys that sticks with his team for the end of the season. Might even get. Um, you know, Waver. poison pill uh, uh, arbitration offer or whatever. Oh, yeah. And I was going to say he could be actually be a waiver deal, though, too. I, yeah, yeah. You know, reasonably, if they don't get it done or find something they like. They, thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, and on, in general, I just don't think about him too much. He just doesn't he, – he doesn't steal too much. He doesn't – I don't really believe in this power. Maybe he's a good DFS option at home against a righty. That's where a lot uh, of the talk has come in. Yeah, sneaky DFS play, but but not even anymore because it's the it's lasted now so long that his price has really come up. So now you're paying you're paying kind of top level price for for a name like Gerardo Parra. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I'm gonna buy like a Charlie Blackman all day long, even if he's like uh, two hundred dollars more expensive or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all right, definitely. 
jumping down in a, one level further here in terms of the uh, the talent spectrum, or at least the, the perception of it, uh, Eugenio Suarez pronounced, uh, how would you have pronounced that name if I hadn't said that? Do, do you, are, are you familiar with this guy at all? I think I would have been okay with that one. Okay, that okay. Just like well, a straight up, I would just, it would have just sounded like a gringo saying it, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, wait. you see, all right, I already, <laughs> I mean, screwed it up, sorry. Um, hey, Eugenio Suarez, I can do this. I, I said something so lame, I can't remember what I was saying last year when he came up for the Tigers. I, before I heard it was Eugenio, I was, I was, Basically going Eugenio. Not quite. <laughs> I wasn't quite that that. Late. Well, I mean, it, to be fair, it's probably the Spanish version of Eugene. So that's, uh, that's true. That's true. But uh, yeah, it's <laughs> a, if you want to if you want to do it perfectly, it's a Eugenio Suarez. He's a shortstop uh, prospect ish. I mean, obviously, I, I, I burned his prospect uh, status anymore, so technically not a prospect, but a young shortstop guy for the Reds, 23 years old, was part of the Alfredo Simon uh, deal, and. You know, Tigers, man, they they give away everything that uh, has any sort of value as as a prospect. And so not only did they gave him, they gave Jonathan Crawford, who I believe was a recent first round pick for the Tigers uh, for for Alfredo Simon. So watching him with the bases loaded and one out against Mike Zunino right now, that's that's a lot of fun for this Tigers fan. I'm I'm sure Mike Zunino with his 158 average will probably hit a grand slam here. But anyway, Suarez <laughs> is is killing it right now. He's really hit a hot streak. Uh, basically, he's reached or outdone his numbers in all the pertinent categories uh, in, in much less the much less playing time. You know, 277 plate appearances last year. He was whatever, a couple ticks below average. Uh, actually, more than that, a couple a couple standard deviations, really. 83 uh, OPS plus. This year in just 110 plate appearances, he got five homers, uh, 314 average, three stolen bases, and a 132 OPS plus. I don't think anybody believes that he's at this level, but uh, are, are you noticing a Eugenio Suarez at all, especially given the barren wasteland that shortstop is? Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny that he got here this way, but I would have I would have loved to have had him as a reserve pick in NL only. Um, you know, and it, and I think if I played in NL only, he would have I would have tried to make that happen, even if the dollar or two reserve uh, dollar or two, and then you know then send him down. I would have done that, but. Um, but that was because I didn't believe in Zach Kozar. And, of course, then I would have felt pretty stupid the first <laughs> of the season. You might have cut and, him before you ever got a chance to cash in, unless, it, uh, unless I he never, was hidden. Zero, zero dollar guys in, like, labor format. I, yeah, I almost never cut anybody. Like, I'm going to uh, hang on for dear life on this. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, anyway, um, it, with him, I think it, it's interesting. It, it's not necessarily hard contact. He just avoids soft contact. 70% medium contact, 6% soft. It's a little bit early to be quoting those numbers. I just, they're kind of fun. Those are, I've never seen uh, anything like that. And, and it That's actually, crazy. It actually kind of goes across the board because he also has a really small infield fly ball rate. So uh, it's not necessarily that he's going to hit the ball harder than anyone. It's that uh, I think most of the stuff is going to, you know, most of the hits are going to be decent and decent quality. So, um, you know, I like that Zips uh, projected BABIP 314. I think I, I, I'm on that level. Uh, Zips ha is the most optimistic, 256, 315, 402, uh, with league average power from a shortstop, um, four more stolen bases. It's uh, It could get overvalued if you run into the wrong owner. That's uh, true, but, man, shortstop's so bad that another five bombs and four stolen bases with a passable 256 average, again, 
think about what you're replacing too if you're trading for him in like an NL only or some something like your 20 teamer. He could be a pretty valuable mid, uh, a middle know, infielder rather. And he's he could be a, a, a sneaky buy high in on base percentage leagues because his owner's looking at that three eight BABIP and that four and a half percent walk rate and saying, you know, and the projections even have him sort of three hundred OBP. But there's two things that are interesting about that is that the OBP for shortstops is terrible. Uh, so that's not even the worst OBPs you can see. And then secondly, uh, he had a lot better walk rates in the minors. And even in his first time around, he had a, he almost league average. Almost he a 10%. Really, he didn't really ever have a bad walk rate uh, ever, ever since he got out of uh, rookie ball. And he had good walk rates some years. So, uh, you know, when you first get up, uh, they challenge you. They throw balls in the middle of the zone. They throw you fastballs. And right now, uh, he's enjoying that. Um, and at some point they're going to reverse course and, uh, and, and, you know, start throwing, uh, to the edges more and throwing in more junk. And at that point he, he's shown that he might lay them off, you know, lay off those. So, yeah, you know, like in, uh, in my own 20 team dynasty where I'm looking around for, uh, for, I'm considering doing a, a full rebuild. That's something I wrote about for tomorrow. It's something I've never done before. And it's something I'm very, uh, upset about doing and it's something that i don't feel is right um to do a full rebuild but uh in a 20 team dynasty where people in high school are owned i think it might be the right thing to do so at some point you might have to yeah yeah i hope uh, people go on that piece and, and discuss it a little bit because i'm not 100 percent my own uh mind but and it feels really bad because i for the most part in dynasty i just i paid prospects i just i trade them away and if you're doing 12-team, 15-team dynasties, that's the way to go because there's always going to be, um, you know, uh, Victor Martinez getting hurt or not being as good, you know, for a little bit, and then you pick him up and he's great. You know, there's always going to be uh, bounce-back veterans you can get back off the wire. There's going to be, uh, you know, prospects who struggle at first and then come on later. There's going to be your Will Myers types who don't look like they're going to be good enough for your league and then end up being good enough for your league. So... Uh, I just think um, that's the way to go for 12 and 15. But when you get to 20 and you got college players on, all of a sudden it makes sense to go, you know, get a Wayne Osiris, but also get like an, uh, uh, there's this guy, I'm not going to say his first name, Albies from the. Um, oh, yeah. Ozino? Ozino? I don't know that one. I, I don't yeah. Know. Uh, you know, it makes sense to kind of get a guy like that, even though he's so young and, and far off, because. When he becomes uh, a top ten prospect, you know, as you know, people who like him predict for his growth, and uh, then uh, he again has a lot of trade value in this type of league. And he's the only way I'm going to get a top ten uh, prospect because I'm not going to pick him up off the wire. I mean, only I did get Mookie Betts once, but uh, he wasn't really ever a top ten prospect. That's so the thing. I don't he think can kind of came out of nowhere there. I can't make a living finding movie bets. <laughs> no. O Oz Ozino is, seems right by the way. Ozino Albies. That's O Z H A A excuse me H A I N O A L B I S. Oz Oz Albies perhaps until I until I Oz, I like it. Fully and, learn you know, how to pronounce honestly, that name. Uh uh you know Suarez is probably a better get than than Albies except that Albies is stealing bases. Uh, at a better clip, and uh, if he does, you know, become like a 30-40 steal guy, he actually becomes more valuable because, like, is it just me? I think steals are, steals are, are hard to get. Um, I've never thought that necessarily, 
but uh, they appear to be a little bit less available this year. And uh, there looks to be a little bit of a shift. I've always thought that, that you know, oh, man, I, I can find some stolen bases on the wire. Getting powers tough. Might be a little bit of a shift this year. In fact, kind of looking that over recently. By the way, Mike Zunino missed a grand slam by inches. Uh, <laughs> I, I would have just hung up the phone, I think, and broke my computer if it had happened. Yeah, uh, he still hit a double off the wall because Rajay Davis couldn't catch it. But that, that's how close it was. It scraped the wall. In, in the deepest part of the park, too, by the way. I mean, please just shoot me in the face with, with Alfredo Simon. Uh, let's talk about Zach Granke, who is very much not Alfredo Simon. And, you know, we, we can say, yeah, he's an ace. He's great, blah, blah, blah. We get that. But this is this is some otherworldly performance here, and I think that it's being overlooked for Grinky because he doesn't have a 30% strikeout rate to go with it. Uh, I don't understand necessarily why he's not getting more love. I mean, it's it's that K9 that's that's hurting him because the, this is a great example of where K9 and K percentage really uh, divert because 24% strikeout rate is amazing, but an eight. 8.0 strikeout to walk ratio, does, or excuse me, uh, 8.0 strikeout per nine doesn't jump off the page at people. And so keep hearing about how, yeah, he's good, except uh, his strikeouts are, aren't all that good. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not the top level, but let's not say we're not at a level where eight isn't good. Uh, that's still yeah. great is what it is. And, it, and, then, and like you said, because he's only walking one per nine, it's uh, it's a little bit um, misleading. Exactly. It's, it's fantastic because he's so efficient that you have to look at K percentage. So um, I'm just curious kind of where you are on, on, on Grinky going forward. We know a 130. We're not going to project that to necessarily continue. But, but how high are you on him? And is he in your top five? Yeah, you know, I, I was talking to a friend who just traded uh, Felix Hernandez for Granky in a keeper, just one for one. And uh, I don't at first I said, well, that seems crazy. but uh, I don't think you know, I'd I have done it, but I don't hate it. I looked at the two, and uh, there's a little bit more to worry about, I think, in, in Felix Hernandez's line. Uh, in terms of, you know, kind of the, the, the velocity, first of all, and then also he's kind of, you know, relying on that changeup so much. It's... Um, it seems a little bit risky, whereas uh, Granky kind of has everything still going. Uh, he hasn't kind of turned to one pitch. That said, you know, Granky's changeup has become a lot more like Felix's. Yeah, um, it's become a huge a lot, weapon. A lot harder, also. Uh, he's got the change now up to 89 miles an hour, uh, 87, 88, uh, 89. This month, it's almost a 90-mile-an-hour change. And I think... I think we're almost nearing the point where we need a new pitch classification for these pitches because yeah. uh, when you look at the change, Zach Greinke's changeup, it goes the same speed as the slider, basically. So you're basically talking about almost like a reverse slider because it's going to come in at 88, 89, mm-hmm. and they're going to think this is the slider. And, and then instead of in on righties. Right. And, and the difference in Wave. movement horizontally and actually what's funny for for Granky too is that the vertical movement on the slider and the changeup are now identical they've, they've been really far apart but the slider has gotten uh has gotten less depth and the uh changeup has gotten more depth uh even though he's throwing it harder which is great i don't know how he figured that one out and um it's awesome right so so now you have a pitch that looks like it's going to drop the same as a slider and looks like it's the same speed as a slider 
and then has a difference in horizontal movement of 10 inches. Oh, wow. So you're like, wow. same pitch, same pitch, same pitch. Oh, God. Oh, God, no. That, yeah, that, <laughs> that's, that's huge. And he's just been masterful this year. And, and they did a funny graphic on MLB Central this morning where they put, like, basically an easel at the where home plate was. And they're, like, doing these paint droplets every pitch that he throws because he's just painting the corners with these pitches. It's unbelievable. Some of that might be Grandal, just to, just to interject. I think uh, – you know, I don't necessarily think that he had like a leap forward in command unless this changeup is easier to command. And uh, I think that uh, you're seeing a little effect of Grandal. It's just not it's not that huge. He had a 1.9 walk rate last year, 1.4 between, you know, 5.2% to 4.3%. But uh, I think, you know, when Harper says he was off the plate, he's uh, basically saying Grandal is a good catcher. Yep. Yep, and that was the big complaint that he had yesterday. Harper basically went in on Grinky a little bit, saying, you know, he's not that good, but when you're getting six inches off the plate. And that's just going to make people hate him more because Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper knows how to play the villain brilliantly. <laughs> um, as much as I like uh, love Grinky, and I became much bigger fan after reading uh, Best Team That Money Can Buy by Molly Knight. Fantastic book. I didn't read it. I listened to it. I'll, I'll, I'll cop to that. But it was amazing. Great, great book. Um, really enlightening on Grinky specifically. Obviously, it doesn't do anything for his fantasy value, but I, I love what this guy has, has become from, from where he was, too. Granky almost quit baseball, for folks who don't know if maybe you're a new baseball fan or just a younger person. Um, back when you were a, a little teenage punk, he was he was trying to quit baseball. And then he got, comes out, wins a Cy Young, and might have a chance at, at doing the, the double league Cy Young, which only a few few guys have done, right? I, I know Clemens. Uh, did he win one with Houston? Who 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 has won a Cy Young in both leagues? I, I don't even know. I don't think that, I don't think the unit did it because he was he was not as good in the AL. Uh, he might have stolen one with uh, with with the with the Mariners though, right? Maybe. No. Are they were all with Arizona? Yeah, I would guess I, that they were. I know he didn't get one with Montreal. He was pretty bad. He was always <laughs> like, like a bit of a bust. He got a Cy in '95 with with the M's, and then the oh wait, Pedro. Pedro, Pedro is the one I was thinking of off the top yeah. of my head that I couldn't that I couldn't place because I knew I'd just heard somewhere they ran down the list and there was I was listening to Pedro's book which was also fantastic by the way folks. Um, yes, I probably should just to listen to these things. What when I'm doing everything else, I was gonna say I don't have yes. time to read them, so I have to listen to them. Yeah. Anytime I'm doing it, my my like night hobby is playing MLB the show. I'm like listening to a book usually. It's like gotta fit it in. When I used to take my dog for a walk, I would listen to it. Uh, just just anything I'm doing, except writing, I can't really listen to a book and, and write. But anything else I'm doing, I'm usually listening to something. So anyway, we love Granky. I think I think he's in my top five. By the way, I I, I, I will fully let people know tomorrow when the when the SP ranks come out. Um, there may be some changes, but I I think he's going to be in my top five. Knowing that a 130 ERA is going to regress is one thing. That's that's great. We all know that. But what's it going to go to? I think it could easily be just a 270 like the guy he was last year. So I'd have no problem with him regressing to that. And what if it's just a dream season and he winds up with like a, a 190 ERA at season's end? Well, he's not going to have much worse of an ERA to get up to 190 by season's end. So I think <laughs> Grinky is someone you can completely invest in even knowing that the ERA is damn near certain to go up. Yeah. 
All right, I want to talk about Dallas Keuchel because he's another guy who is just dominating, and I'm curious if this domination uh, is changing your view at all. Also because similarly to um, Grinky, I think it's being overshadowed because he doesn't have a huge strikeout rate. Same sort of thing. You know, 18% last two years coming into this year, which is about average, so it's totally fine. Well, this year he's up at 23%. And again, I think strikeouts per nine is another situation where it hurts him because – like Grinky's not walking guys, and uh, it, cu- it it doesn't reward that efficiency, does get K per nine. So seven not, 7.9 K per nine, but a 23% strikeout rate. Keigel's having an amazing season. He's totally backing up last year. Again, probably going to regress off a 212 ERA, but if he goes back to last year's 293, you're completely fine with that. What have you seen from Keigel, and how are you valuing him? See a top 10 guy for you. Yeah, you know, it's, it is funny because you kind of, at some point you say, well, this guy doesn't strike a lot of guys out, and you put him in your head as like a 6K9 guy or something. And, you know, he's pushed it all the way right up to 8. And, yeah. uh, you know, you know, 23% strikeouts to what, Granky's is like 23 or 24. So Yeah, 24. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we're not too far off here. Great command, uh, best ground ball rate in the majors. So, you know, that... I think mitigates uh, a lot of the risk uh, when it comes to homers in his home park. And, um, you know, I, what I've seen this year that's a little different is that um, I think he's found a way to kind of um, play with people a little bit. You know, everyone knows that his changeup is his best uh, pitch and, you know, that, you know, that all the breaking balls, um, you know, kind of came after. Well, what he's done recently is throw the changeup less and throw the slider and the cutter more. And I think by doing that, what he's, he's sort of playing on expectations. And if you look at uh, the whiff percentage over, you know, year over year, uh, he's got the best whiff percentage on his changeup of his career. Um, and the slider's gone down a little bit. It was still near 20%. And the cutter's uh, the best it's been. So... I think he's kind of, you know, doing that thing that pitchers do, which is just kind of play with your 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 uh, usage and uh, get people off kilter. But uh, to have the best whiff rate on on a changeup that everybody kind of you think you know is coming uh, suggests to me that he's uh, you know mixing up his count usage and uh, uh, and and really I guess the the cliche is becoming a, a you know pitcher, a pitcher. not a thrower. Yeah, I yeah. think he's always been a pitcher though because it's yeah, not I mean, like he, he doesn't had overwhelming stuff. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Did you catch him yelling at Delano DeShields Jr. yesterday? Yeah, I mean. I was okay with it. Yeah. So he, just, he just yelled sit down at him two times because DeShields was making a big deal, turned turn to the ump, kind of complaining. Uh, I, I was fine with it. N- nothing nothing harmful. Given what about I know him. and what we you know generally know about um, uh, about his background and his makeup, um, you know, I can't, I couldn't help but be like, yeah, that's the Delano Shields people talk about, right? Uh, you know, because he's, he's, you know, the reason he didn't end up with the Astros to some extent is because he doesn't, you know, work hard. He didn't work hard on his game. You know, if you've ever seen him take batting practice, it's pretty amazing, actually. Uh, I don't know if it's still the same in, in Texas, but, uh, I saw him take a few batting practices. It looked like he was half asleep. Uh, you know, would, wouldn't even do things that, you know, veterans do in the majors, so sort of pick up the balls when you're done and stuff like that. And wow. so he just, uh, generally seemed like a nincompoop. And so, 
you know, and Keuchel is a, is a, you know, kind of veteran's veteran in a way, even yep. though he hasn't been around forever. He's just, um, you know, I guess he was policing the game. It's not, um, I, I'm usually, it's not normally something I like. I like. Not, agreed, I don't like agreed. to be normally on the policing side, but agreed. in this case, I was kind of like, oh, maybe. I was okay with it only because it's it's not the it's not stifling fun. I don't like the dudes right. out there freaking out at everyone doing a bat flip. I freaking love bat flips. I'm cool with that. Like even if it's not anti Carlos Gomez, you know. Exactly. You know, it's not anti Puig Gomez sort of stuff. That that was him just saying, You struck out. GTFO, man, get out of here. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I was okay with it for, for, for Keiko being a, being a little bit of a policeman there. And maybe he didn't like the Shields or something. You know, so you, maybe you already had some previous history with him too from being in the organization. So maybe that gave him a little extra juice behind it as well. I, that one's speculation on my part. Uh, I don't know that. But I, I love Keiko. The, the beard's awesome. He's, he's just dominating right now. And again, if you get too bogged down in that strikeout rate, you're going to lose out because he's dominating. And uh, you don't, your ace doesn't have to have a 30% strikeout rate on your fantasy team. It helps when they do, but, but Keiko can lead a fantasy staff. I firmly believe that. I want to talk about one last guy, you know, Robbie Ray. He's having a very interesting uh, kind of start to his. He's only nine, nine starts so far. So 55 innings. Everything's up, looking pretty good so far. 229 ERA, 107 whip, 21% strikeout rate is way up from his little stint last year with the Tigers. Walk rate down from 8% to 5%. There's some interesting pieces here, though, that, that make it a little bit flimsy with regards to the, the great ERA and, and uh, whip. He's got a 3% homer to fly ball rate, which is definitely on the, on the favorable side. Just in general, but then you consider the fact that he's a fly ball pitcher, it's even more favorable. Um, and then you also factor in the fact uh, that he's allowing 40% hard contact rate. So they're apparently crushing the ball in the air, but it's not leaving the park. That seems a little bit strange to me. So for me, I'm looking at it, I'm saying there is legitimate growth here, and I do kind of buy into it with Robbie Ray because he's bringing it 95 from the left side, but there are probably going to be some very bad regression outings, I think, coming up. So I think it's one of those situations where I, I would be interested maybe in buying in a deep league where I could kind of pick and choose because I could see him having like a total regression monster in Coors, four homers in his first eight eight batters or something crazy like that. But what are you seeing from Robbie Ray, and are you interested at all after these uh, 55 innings? You know, he actually reminds me of something I, I want to do, probably an off-season thing, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking about trying to uh, define pitches uh, off of the fastball and define movement off of the fastball because, you know, Ray, the horizontal movement on his changeup looks okay. Uh, the vertical movement is not great, but, you know, if he had a rising fastball, uh, it could work. And so, yeah, oh, look at that. His four seam is a rising fastball. So actually the changeup has, you know, about three to four inches drop off of that uh, rising fastball. Okay. Uh, and uh, so then you're left wondering, you know, it, it doesn't have it doesn't have more horizontal movement than his four seamer. And it actually has less than his two seamer. Uh, but he just doesn't throw the two seamer much. So it's kind of, that's part of the research I'll have to figure out. But you know, which fastball do you use to define fastball, quote-unquote, right? Exactly. Um, in this case, I might just take four-seam because he's thrown 905 four-seamers to uh, 90 sinkers. So maybe there's some sort of ratio there where you can say if it's 10 to 1, just use the four-seamer. And in this case, maybe the reason why the changeup has 
had some okay ground ball uh, results has been because it's so different than the four-seamer. But it's not getting whiffs. It's it's not the traditional the kind of stuff based on Harry Pavlidis's work um, that uh, that uh, you know if it has tilt drop and 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 velocity gap that's good. It doesn't really have any of those, and uh, so that's supposed to be his best pitch, uh, other than his fastball. And um, you know people are looking for some sort of uh, cutter slider thing so that he can get more whiffs. He's not getting great whiffs. He's getting more strikeouts than you would expect given his whiffs. Absolutely. He's not getting good ground balls. Doesn't have a good history of command. I mean, I'm, I'm per- so far out of on Robbie Ray. You couldn't. Uh, if I had him, I'd give him to you for anything. Sweet. So I'm gonna get some free Robbie Ray from Eno in our <laughs> AL only league. Actually, he's probably still in that league, right? Our score sheet league. Since oh god, he probably well, is available. Um, Actually, is he? I, I don't know how that works exactly. This is only my yeah, second year in score sheet, but I know that some of the NL guys can be kept over. Like, for example, in that league, I have Dexter Fowler, who's obviously on the Cubs. But anyway, I, like I said, I get it with, with, with Ray with regards to looking at the profile right now and being scared that there's going to be some sort of fall coming, a big fall. I, I do get that, but I do think we've seen some gains here that leave me a little bit intrigued. I like the 95 miles an hour from the left side. Uh, yeah. That's something that can definitely you know, be a nice foundation. Uh, there's definitely work to be done, though. Like I said, you can't be giving up 40% hard contact rate as a fly ball pitcher and maintain a .3 homer per nine and a 3% homer to fly ball. So that's going to change. We'll see how he evolves and kind of how he adjusts after maybe getting his face caved in a couple times, but I'm keeping him, I'm keeping <laughs> Ray, he's on my radar. Uh, that might have been a pun on accident. Um, on, that is on the Ray Dar. Anyway, we have to end oh, the episode because of that. We actually we have to end the we have to end the podcast and the website. I think because I said that. <laughs> shut it down. I, I think we have to shut it all down. Anyway, you know, uh, you're getting ready to do the the worst thing a human can do, which is move. So I wish you and your family the best of luck with that. Um, See you on the other side. I, I, will the other side be Thursday? Will we be Will we be normally scheduled for Thursday? Do you figure? Yes. Okay, yes. perfect. Then we will talk Thursday. Until then, take care and good luck moving. Yeah. Thanks for listening.